uh, coming from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. I'm going to take this out because I like holding it. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Good evening. Thank you all for being here. Uh, if you don't know me, though a lot of you do, my name is Steve Barbie and I am Donna's son. Uh, we are grateful that you're here with us, and I'm not only Donna's son, funny enough, I was actually my mom's pastor. <laughs> We're grateful for the many lives that, my, that God touched uh, through my mom, and I'm humbled by many people who told me I wouldn't be who I am, I wouldn't be where I am if not for your mom. I'm, I'm so honored uh, to have Donna Barbie as my mom. Um, now, for as great as my mom is, uh, she would tell you that her Savior is greater than <laughs> and for a few minutes, we're going to do the thing that she would want us most to do at her funeral. Not so much talk about her, uh, but talk about her Savior. To hear from the Bible, which she regarded as God's word. So you can take a look at this portion of the Bible, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, and would encourage you just to keep that open for the next few moments as we'll refer to it, as I hope everything I say just comes from that passage. And I think you can look at these, this passage under three headings. You can see a who, you can see a what, and you can see a why. You can see who Jesus talks to, you can see what they should do, and you can see why they should do it. Does that sound simple enough? Well, let's dive in. Let's take a look first at who Jesus talks to. Easy enough to see. Jesus talks to all those who labor and are heavy laden. Now, throughout this passage, Jesus will use uh, metaphors or analogies from, from agriculture. And the idea here is that Jesus is talking to people who are working in the field, whose jobs are very hard, and whose jobs are made harder because they carry these heavy weights on their back. Now, when you read the Bible, it's really important that you keep in mind the original audience, the people it's first written to or spoken to. What's going on with them in this, in this scenario? Who's, who is Jesus talking to? Well, he's talking to people who feel crushed under the weight of expectations. These are expectations placed upon them by the religious authorities of the day. There we go. <laughs> For instance, you can read later in the book of Matthew, actually chapter 23, verse 4. Jesus says, these religious authorities tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Just as a side note, if you don't like religious hypocrites, you're in very good company because Jesus doesn't like them either. <laughs> the religious authorities of the day added their own expectations to the way that God instructed his people to live. This turned God's way of living from a blessing into a burden. And so Jesus is talking to people who feel crushed under the weight of these expectations. But if you read closely, Jesus doesn't limit his invitation just to the people he's immediately talking to. He invites all who labor and are heavy laden. So that means that this passage here is for you and it's for me. It reminds me of something that happened about two weeks ago. My mom was in Southwest General Hospital right down the road 
uh, and she had just gotten to the point where she needed more care than they could give her there. And so she was transferred to the University Hospital's main campus downtown. And if you've seen uh, both of these hospitals, you know that there are lots of differences between them, not to mention the size. Downtown UH is massive. It makes Southwest look modest. But something else that we noticed was a difference between the two places was uh, the staff. Most of the nurses at downtown UH and a lot of the support staff walked around wearing these backpacks. It was really strange. It's like backpacks that high school students wear. And so I asked one nurse about it, and she told me, well, well we keep all of our equipment in there. And she went on to say, I mean, I don't really notice it anymore. I've just gotten so used to it. That is, I, I don't notice it until I'm in a crowded room and I bump into something. I notice it then. And I thought that was really profound. You know, I, I might not know you, although I do know a lot of you. And you might not notice it anymore. But I know that you're like me, and you carry a weight on your shoulders. Maybe you just stopped noticing it. I know you're like me, and you carry a weight on your shoulders of measuring up. In fact, I would argue that this is maybe a big source of your insecurity, a big source of your anxiety. You want to measure up. And the problem with that desire is that you can never really know if you really do measure up. Not just to your own standards, but even to God's standards. And if it's all on you, you can never really know. So if you don't know, it makes you really sensitive to criticism because it, it reminds you of what you actually secretly know that I don't measure up. It might make you really envious or intimidated by people that you recognize outshine you. If you carry this load of measuring up, it can make you devastated or even in denial about your flaws. I know this is a weight that you carry on your shoulders. A weight you carry on your shoulders, I know, is guilt. <clears throat> I know that you're like me and that there are things you've done that you shouldn't have done. There are things you should have done, but you didn't do. You carry a load of guilt on your shoulders. I don't know what you do with that guilt. Maybe you deny that guilt. Maybe you justify that guilt. Maybe you suppress that guilt. Maybe you try to compensate for that guilt and make up for it. If you do any of those things, it won't take away your guilt it'll still rest on your shoulders. And it shows up, I know that, because this is one of the reasons, perhaps, why you put up walls with other people, why you won't let anyone in. Because deep down, all of us carrying that weight of guilt are afraid of being exposed. Because if, the true, if our true self is really exposed, why would anyone ever want us? I might not know you, although I do know a lot of you. And I know you're like me, and you carry a weight on your shoulders. A weight of expectations. A weight of guilt. And you carry a weight of brokenness. Things aren't the way that they should be. There's a brokenness in you. There's a brokenness in me. I'm not how I should be. There are scars and wounds that affect me, and I know affect you every day. And if you're honest, there are patterns in your life that you have wanted to change for years, but you can't change them. And there's not just a brokenness in you. You carry a weight of brokenness around you. Can you tell me, really with a straight face, that the world is as it should be? 
if you have a hard time answering that question, I don't want to be insensitive, but it is my mom's funeral after all. Let me submit to you Exhibit A, of that things aren't the way that they should be. Your reaction to death and my reaction to death should tell you this isn't just the circle of life. This isn't how it should be. You carry a weight on your shoulders. And friend, you are like that nurse. You've bumped into something today. And it's my prayer that you notice that weight on your shoulder. My mom's dead body should wake you up to the reality that you carry a weight that will eventually crush you. When you wake up to that reality, my friend, Jesus meets you right there. And he speaks to you. And he tells you what you should do. And this is our second heading from this passage. What you should do. Jesus says, very simply, you should come to me. In this way, Jesus is like life-saving medicine. There can be a medicine that is perfectly effective to cure a disease. This, this medicine can work. But you know what? That medicine will work only if you take it. Only if you receive it. It doesn't do any good just sitting there. And you are only going to receive that medicine if you know that you're sick. If you know that you need it, in our case, if you know that you carry a weight that will crush you. What should you do with the weight that you carry? Jesus says you should come to him. Now I want you to look very closely at what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't tell you that you should just keep on laboring. He doesn't tell you, you know what, just keep on trying your best. And after a while, if it doesn't work, well, maybe then you can come to me if you still need help. After all, Jesus helps those who help themselves, right? That's not what he says. He helps those who know they can't help themselves. And he says you should come to him. What should you do with that weight on your shoulders that will eventually crush you, that you know you can't carry? Well, Jesus says you should come to him. And I want you to look very carefully. He doesn't tell you that you should work for him. He tells you that you should come to him. He doesn't tell you that you should adopt this mentality that says, you know what, if I just do enough good for Jesus, well, then maybe he'll give me rest. You know, folks from church will recognize this, so guys, don't let people hear in on the secret, okay? If we would indulge me and just raise your hand as high as you can. Can you do that? Can you raise your hand as high as you can? Now, can you raise your hand a little bit higher? Okay, so did you really raise your hand as high as you could? You have this mentality that if only I do enough for Jesus, then he'll give me rest. And everybody says that they try their best, but it's just not true. You can always do more. I don't know if you know Oscar Schindler from the movie Schindler's List. This is the man who saved hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust. And at the end of the movie, with everything all over, this man is haunted. And he keeps repeating to himself, I could have done more. I could have done more. My friend, this is good news, that Jesus doesn't wait for you to do enough for him before he gives you rest. Jesus gives you rest just when you come to him. What should you do with that weight that you carry on your shoulders? You've bumped into something today. Well, look closely. Jesus doesn't say that you should ignore it. 
To my wife's chagrin, this is how I often handle my medical problems. <laughs> Babe, if I ignore it long enough, it'll go away. I can numb it. I can distract myself from it. Well, just like that's bad advice for what to do about your medical problems, that's bad advice for what to do about your spiritual problems. But my friends, my guess is that most of us here are in that category. You know, I love a good show on Netflix as much as anybody else. I love a funny dog video on YouTube as much as anybody else. I love watching the Browns lose on Sunday just as much as anybody else. But the thing is, you can keep yourself entertained. You can keep yourself stimulated. You can just keep yourself busy to the point that you never actually look in the mirror. And you never look up and you just ignore the weight that has been on your shoulders. Jesus says, don't ignore it. Come to him. Look closely. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, you should go to a God of your own understanding. That's a God in your own image. Jesus doesn't say, you should come to me and something else. Whether that's the traditions of men, the opinions of people, your own good works. No, Jesus says, you should come to him. That's what you should do. And what does that look like? Because we all know, even famously enough, as would have it, this is a come to Jesus meeting. How about that? But what does coming to Jesus look like? He helpfully de uh, defines the terms. Well, I tell you, it doesn't look like politely nodding along with a sermon about Jesus. Coming to Jesus, true faith in him means you follow him. You hitch yourself to Jesus, as he would put it. You take his yoke upon him so that the direction of your life changes, that you no longer live for yourself, you start to live for him, the one who saved you. What does coming to Jesus look like? Well, he defines it for us. He says it looks like learning from him. Truly receiving Jesus means you start to reflect Jesus in how you live. So my friend, you've bumped into something. Do you feel that weight of measuring up, that weight of guilt, that weight of brokenness in you and around you? You should come to Jesus. I wonder, friend, have you done that? Have you trusted in him? Do you follow him? Well, if you're still on the fence, there's one more heading to this passage, and that's a why. Jesus tells you why you should come to him. And he gives you three reasons. And I think with each one of these reasons, he anticipates a possible objection <laughs> that you might have. So you might be sitting there thinking, come to Jesus. Steve, this sounds too good to be true. This sounds like you're telling me that Jesus is just going to solve all of my problems. Steve, that's naive. Of course it's naive. So I'm not the first to observe this, but look carefully at what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say that he'll give you rest for your body though that will come later, Jesus says he'll give you rest for your soul. So that's, the, that's to say that when you come to Jesus, life won't all of a sudden become easy. That's to say when you come to Jesus, it's not that your problems are all of a sudden going to evaporate. Now when you come to Jesus, you will have rest for your souls. And what does that look like? Well, I wonder if you remember this scene from Jesus' life. On the Sea of Galilee, a wicked storm that even intimidated the seasoned sailors with him. And where is Jesus? Bottom of the boat, asleep on a cushion. That is rest for your soul. 
that when you come to Jesus, you know, I don't carry that weight I used to carry anymore. It doesn't have to crush me because it crushed him instead. Those expectations I failed to live up to, I even refused to live up to, Jesus kept them for me. He lived the life I should have lived, but I didn't. That guilt I carry for all the things I've done to others, for all the ways I've chosen my own way over God's way, that guilt, that was placed on his shoulders. He died the death that I deserved. That brokenness in me, that brokenness around me, that death that awaits me like everybody else, Jesus took it on his shoulders, and he overcame it. And the Bible says that his resurrection is the first fruits of things to come. The first sign of the harvest, that Jesus is making all things new, that he is righting all that is wrong, that he is mending all that is broken. My friend, if this sounds too good to be true, let me ask you, who else can do this? Can you? He can, and he can give rest. You should come to Jesus. He gives you another reason why. Maybe you're there thinking, come to Jesus. Come on, Steve. That's a big ask. Can I really trust him? How can I know that I won't get burned if I do this? Because you say that you know me, Steve, but you don't know how much pain and suffering I've been through. I'm not going to put myself out there like this. Well, if that's you, Jesus tells you that you should come to him because he is gentle and lowly in heart meant to reassure you that he isn't harsh and distant he is merciful and approachable you know you and I might assume that Jesus as one author puts it reaches out to you the same way a little boy would reach out to touch a slug for the very first time maybe you can picture it face all shriveled up cautiously extending that arm and as soon as he touches that slug he pulls his hand back in disgust Jesus assures you that he loves to receive sinners and sufferers, those who come to him, that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And if you can't take Jesus for what he says, take him for what he does. The one who says he's gentle and lowly in heart shows that he's gentle and lowly in heart at the cross, when he endured unspeakable pain and suffering for you. Jesus gives you a third reason why you should come to him. You may be sitting there thinking, come to Jesus. Steve, if I do that, I'll lose my freedom. I won't be able to live the way I want to live anymore. We have, my friend, where was that way going to get you in the first place? And I'll give it to you. Jesus is honest. He says in other places, in order to come to him, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow me. And in another place, Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. I'm in charge, you're not. And in another place still, the Bible says that those who trust in Jesus are no longer their own. They belong to him. They were bought with a price. If that intimidates you, you can think of it this way. Picture a man who was swimming in the ocean, but he drowned and he died. If that man was rescued and he was brought back to life, would that man find it a burden to put on a life preserver? and follow the one who saved him. That is what following Jesus should be to those who come to him. I follow the one who rescued me. My way would lead to my death, his way leads to life and freedom. 
Well, friends, I want to close with another scene of Jesus' life that's actually recounted in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. It's when Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at a well. Maybe you're familiar. She's one of those dirty sinners who everybody thought Jesus would just want nothing to do with. But I love the way John introduces the scene. John says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, technically, that's not actually true. Because an upstanding Jewish man like Jesus would take any route possible to avoid those wicked Samaritans. And yet John says here that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And I think it was because Jesus had an appointment to keep. An appointment that was in a specific time, in a specific place, and with a specific person. So my friend, I wonder if this is your appointment where Jesus meets you and tells you, come to me. I don't want you to leave here without thinking about your next step after you, take those, after you walk out those doors. Your next step might be to come to Jesus for the first time. To tell Jesus, Jesus, I've gotten myself into a mess. I carry a weight that I won't be able to carry. It will crush me. And I trust what you have done to save me. I trust the life you lived, but I didn't. I trust the death you died, but I didn't have to. And I trust that you rose again, defeating it all. And not only do I trust you, I want to follow you all of my days. Maybe your next step is to come to Jesus for the first time. It, it, if you are thinking about that next step, if you have questions about that next step, if you want to pray with someone or just talk with someone, we actually have several pastors here from our own church. Fellas, would you just raise your hands? We've got Jared, Jonathan, Bill, Dan. They'll be in the other room. They would love to talk to you. And even if the next step is just asking more questions. I got two different books. I have several copies of them. One's called The Reason for God. The other is called Gentle and Lowly. Take one. This might be your appointment. Your next step out these doors might be not just not to come back to Jesus for the first time, but to come back to Jesus again. Because maybe this is, a, this is his appointment with you that pulls you close to him again because, friend, you've bumped into something. Maybe this is your appointment to ask for help because your way of life has been out of whack with his way to life for a long time. Maybe this is your appointment to follow Jesus again alongside other, other people who trust him in a local church. Maybe this is your appointment to come back to church. You know, Jesus says that those who follow him will be known by their love for one another. And I just want to submit to you, it's tough to love people in that way that you're not committed to being around. So maybe your next step is to find a church where the good news about who Jesus is and what he has done, where that good news isn't buried under traditions of men, where that good news isn't buried under a mountain of entertainment, but where that good news of Jesus is central, it's clear, it's celebrated, and it's lived out. Your next step might be to find a church where you can follow Jesus alongside others. Maybe this is your appointment that Jesus has with you today after you have bumped into something very hard to reassure you that he hasn't changed. That your next step might be to keep coming to Jesus. That there is none like him, that you can still trust him, and that following him isn't a slavery that leads to death, it is freedom that leads to life. 
Well, I assume that you're here tonight because you want to honor my mom in some way. I know for a fact she would tell you that the best way to honor her is to come to Jesus, come back to Jesus, or keep coming to Jesus. Because he alone gives rest. Would you pray with me?